The sermon for the last Sunday of the church year is from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 23, verses 27 to 43. Uh, the sermon is entitled, Jesus is Your Story. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Yes, the, the end of any story always brings everything together. In every story, there is an introduction, a conflict, a climax, and of course, there is always a resolution at the end of the story. And today, as we are on the last Sunday of the church year, there is also a resolution shown to us in Christ, who is our true King, who brings everything all together. And where does the scripture lead us today? Of course, to what Christ does, and that is to the foot of the cross. Yet before we dwell upon the end of the story, let us dwell upon a hypothetical. A question I have for you, I've never really asked this question before, and it never really dawned on me as a hypothetical, but <laughs> what if the Bible was only three chapters long? What if the Bible was from Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis chapter 3, verse 10? Think about that. I mean, number one, the Bible would be very, probably paper thin, right? It'd be so thin. But also, well, where would that end our story? Genesis 3.10. Huh. Well, Genesis 1, we know, is of creation. God, by His powerful word, breathed everything into existence. It was good, he said, from the sun, moon, and stars, plants, animals, land, air, sea, the fish, everything. All is good. Genesis 2, God commands man, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it, lest you will die. Genesis 3, the fall, they saw, they took, they ate, their eyes opened, the fear and fright ensued, and as they saw their own nakedness in sin, there in Genesis 3, verse 10, the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. What if that was the end of our story? What if that was where the Bible ended? Where would that leave us? And how would that end of story, hypothetical of course, shape us today? Of course, it would not comfort us like Luke 23 about forgiveness, life, and salvation as Jesus was lifted high upon a tree. But the ending in Genesis 3.10, left hiding, well, would leave us in great uncertainty. One of doom, despair after all, if they ate from that tree, the Lord said, they would surely die. There would be no promise in sight. And without the gospel, what do we have? What do we have without the gospel? And we see the world today, right, in world religion itself. Maybe some of us would attempt to pursue 
perfection, making the climb by our own self-righteousness. In hopes of averting the disaster of eternal death and condemnation, laws will try to cleanse their conscience by convincing themselves of their goodness. Yeah, that's right. If there is a God out there, I've done good. Surely that must amount to something. Or while others might just surrender to the fact that death is the end. Yet at the end of the day, if the end of the story is Genesis 3, verse 10, that's right. How would this day be? You know, as a sinner, this is the reality of our story. Our story is inheritors of sin and death because of the fall. The fall is so great. The separation of God is irreparable by our own human hands. We cannot save ourselves. We know that. No one is righteous, not even one. Self-righteousness has no play. We cannot declare ourselves righteous in front of God. Yes, world religion will say, earn your way. That's what world religion will say. But we very well know because our sin is that damaging, it is absolutely impossible to merit our way to God. And we know that's not the end of our story, is it? We sigh with great relief saying, Oof, I'm glad. That's not the end of our story. Whew. I'm glad the Bible does not conclude at Genesis 3.10. Yet there the devil is, isn't he? He puts his hand there on that page and says, You know what? Jesus cannot help you. Your sins are too heavy for him to bear. No one can save you. And so the devil casts doubts as he accuses and harasses you all the day long. And in our flesh, we find ourselves so caught up We know this isn't our story, but yet we are so caught up by the deception of the devil himself that we begin to think, well, maybe this is my story. Soon we ask, am I really forgiven? Have I done enough? Am I truly a child of God? What about sin? No, what about that sin? No, I'm not so sure. Maybe Jesus, well, he couldn't bear that sin. Too heavy for him to bear for me. Don't you see? There we are stuck at Genesis 3, verse 10. Do you find yourself at times stuck there too? Now, if we all want to be honest with ourselves, truly honest with ourselves, we know our nature. We know the inclination of our flesh, how we desire to gain our way, to believe in the pursuit for perfection, that we can reconcile ourselves to God. And there we find ourselves, the subject I being our worst enemy. And for others, like our first parents who hid, we too have great temptation the great temptation of hiding in our own earthly securities. That's where we hide, surrounded by our idols, 
all of our false gods saying, yes, here is your peace and security. Hide in these idols. And there your sinful flesh goes. We know Genesis 3.10 isn't the conclusion of our faith. Yet this is the great tension as we have reached the last Sunday of the church here, as we wait in the now and we look forward to the not yet. How so easily in our sin we hide in fear, in fright, in despair, hiding in our grain houses, stuck in our flesh, turning to ourselves. Rather than looking to the cross. And it is subtle, my friends. It's so subtle. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. That even the smallest bit of yourself in there brings a different faith in itself. The tiniest bit. There might be a little ounce there. You say, well, I'm a good person. That must mean something to God. That must mean something for my salvation. And there we are stuck again, hiding in Genesis 3, verse 10. I think for all of us, as we conclude the church year today, it's a time to remember who brings it all together. It's not you. It's not me. Because our faith does not end on Genesis 3, verse 10. But even on one hand, I can count five verses later. There the Lord gives the promise of the first gospel. Five verses later, in the book of Genesis, that from the offspring of a woman would come the Savior of the world. See, our Lord is so gracious that He writes each and every one of your stories. And here we are today, dwelling upon Luke chapter 23, because this is your story. It is Jesus at the cross, not for himself, but for you. This is your story that our Lord writes for you. Not like any author who takes pen and ink or a typewriter. No, Christ is your author and perfecter of your faith, writing your salvation story by going and willingly being lifted high upon the cross. The cross is your story. That is where your life is written. By the one who endured the cross, surrounded by the words, he saved others, let him save himself. If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. No, our Lord knew his mission, and that is to endure for you, all the shame, all the scoffers, the ridicule, he stood the course of salvation faithfully to write your story. I can't write my own story. You can't write your own story. But Christ does by shedding his blood for the forgiveness of your sins. That means you no longer have to hide 
or try to justify yourself or, or wonder if you're good enough in front of God. All these questions have already been answered by our Lord who brings everything together, who brings you the story by his cross. Because this cross of Christ saves you, rescuing you from sin and death. Because he is the Christ, the anointed one set apart to fulfill the will of God. The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. You know, there in the inscription on that cross would be, this is the King of the Jews. The inscription would describe why he was lifted high upon the tree, the reason for the crucifixion. And indeed, that is why he was there, to be your King, to be the one who saves you from your sins to give you the gift of life, forgiveness, and salvation. Just as he gave the words to the criminal, as the criminal said, Remember me, O Lord, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise. This is your story. Paradise is yours. For three days later, our Lord will rise from the dead, delivering you victory to everlasting life. This is your story. Eternal life is right now. You are already living it. Do you believe that? This is the story that was given to you by the work of Christ. Because the resurrection is also your story. What that means is victory. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You're already transferred, my friends, into the kingdom of the beloved son, Jesus Christ. How comforting is that word? That Jesus is your redemption. That you're not stuck in the doom and gloom of Genesis 3.10. No. He fulfills. He delivers. Because Jesus is your story. And thus on this day as we are here at the last Sunday of the church year. As we bring everything together. How appropriate it is to be at the foot of the cross. Where Jesus says it is finished. All has been done. Death, defeated, sin, accounted for, your redemption fulfilled. From the cross to the empty tomb, to your baptism to the supper. This is your storybook ending. It's not a fairy tale, my friends. This is the truth. How radical, how merciful. How gracious, how sacrificial, how redeeming, how comforting, how eternally peaceful your story already is. It is. Because Jesus is your story. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Sunday Sermon from Faith Lutheran Church in Moorpark, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.